Jesus, Politics and Speaking Truth to Power by Bill Muhlenberg. May all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machinery. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. Politics and religion, we are often told, are not to be discussed in polite society. Well, I guess you can call me impolite, if you will, but not only are these two topics absolutely essential, but the Christian cannot avoid discussing either one. And anyone who actually studies the four Gospels will see how very much Jesus and politics intermingled, if not collided. Jesus could not help being involved in politics, at least indirectly, Simply making the sorts of claims that he did put him in direct conflict with the political powers of the day. Indeed, when you have a Roman emperor claiming to be Lord, and then you have Jesus coming along claiming to be both Lord and Savior, a clash is guaranteed. And that is just what happened. This past weekend, I gave a number of talks in Western Victoria. One of the things I mentioned throughout was how Jesus clashed with rulers such as Pilate and how John the Baptist clashed with rulers like Herod. For both men, being put to death by the ruling powers was the outcome of their political statements and actions. Christ and Christians of necessity will find that their beliefs and values will always come into conflict with the politics and political elites of the day. How can it be otherwise? Christianity is about much more than just getting souls into heaven. It's about being salt and light and impacting all of life in this world, including political life. There are whole libraries filled with books on these matters. I happen to have hundreds of such volumes. Plenty could be mentioned here. But let me just focus on one volume a slightly older one by English Christian sociologist Alan Storkey. In 2005, he wrote Jesus and Politics, Confronting the Powers. There's plenty that can be gleaned from the 340 pages, and one need not agree with everything that he says to appreciate the insight and careful analysis he brings to the topic. Let me here just offer a few quotes from the volume. As to politics itself, we can view it in terms of getting to or remaining in power. He says, In this wider sense, therefore, politics was an important part of Jesus' life. The political leaders perceived his teaching as attacking their government. The confrontation and trial in Jerusalem were dominantly political. Crucifixion was a Roman political death. Jesus' teaching in parables on law, taxation, party attitudes, the judicial process, and foreigners challenged the political leaders of his day. 
his position as king of the Jews is considered right through the Gospels. Now, Jesus, of course, had a number of political interactions and conflicts with various groups and individuals. Let me discuss the two that I mentioned above. As to Herod, Storkey says this in part, The contrast between Herod and Jesus could scarcely be starker. Herod the Great died after decades of rule as king of the Jews. Jesus was born, as some thought, as king of the Jews. Whatever the title applied to Jesus means, it is of the same genre as Herod's title, not a ceremonial pattern practiced in the UK or elsewhere. The genealogies in Matthew and Luke point to Jesus as son of David in the royal line. He is announced king of the Jews by the Magi and identified by the quotation by Micah. The gospel writers seem intent to acknowledge Jesus as king of the Jews. How this should be interpreted is one of the central questions of my book. For kingship inevitably has political implications and is clearly intended as more than a spiritual title. You know, I have a lot of time for nursing professionals and the type of caring person that does the kind of work they do. If you're a nurse in Queensland, New South Wales or any other state in Australia, you can save hundreds of dollars every year on your current union membership fees. And best of all, you can be guaranteed your money is not being donated without your consent to the Labor Party or any other political party for that matter. Now, you need professional indemnity insurance, so good source sponsor, the Nursing Professional Association of Queensland, will not only provide you with that and save you hundreds in fees every year, they'll also send professional employment lawyers in to bat for you when you need help. For professional indemnity insurance and better service, real support at work without the political donations, saving them hundreds of dollars every year, nurses around Australia are joining the Nursing Professional Association of Queensland in their droves at redunion.com.au. You should only have to pay for what you're getting, and at NPAQ, you can get better service while saving hundreds of dollars every year, and you can save an extra $25 when you join by using the coupon GOODSOURCE. No spaces, GOODSOURCE, and NPAQ will know we sent you. Join now at redunion.com.au. I love that web address, redunion.com.au. I'm Bill Millenberg from Culture Watch. Pilate, of course, was a major figure in the Gospels as well. The primary clash of kingdoms occurs between Jesus and Pilate. Here the issue of truth comes to the fore as Pilate asks what it is, but regrettably does not hang around for the answer. Says Storkey, The issue of truth in politics is crystallized in the great final early morning confrontation between Pilate and Jesus. Pilate is conscious of his overwhelming Roman power. The Roman governor is in control, but confronted by the mass of the Sandrin, perhaps 60 or so of the 71, coming as a form of deputation with Jesus as captive. They want him killed. They are obsequious, submitting to Roman law and rule, a thing they really hate. The charges they level against their captive reflect it. We have found this man subverting our nation. 
with ingratiating loyalty, they are implying that Jesus is a revolutionary against Rome. It is untrue, as we have seen, and the leaders know that Jesus is not treading the zealot path. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar. In an obvious formal sense, this too is untrue, for they have just spectacularly failed to trap him into making precisely this pronouncement. Jesus has relativized and even dismissed Roman sovereignty, but they have no grounds for this second statement. The third charge is the key one. For the Sanhedrin, the claim of Messiah is a central blasphemy. They cannot stomach the possibility that the Son of God stands before them, though they sense that it might actually be true. To Pilate, the issue is presented politically. Jesus claims to be Messiah, a king. This, of course, is the clinching argument to Roman authorities who have closed down the title of king by their direct rule and see anyone claiming it as treasonous. And Jesus is not at all being unique here. He is simply following in the footsteps of the Old Testament prophets who also routinely spoke truth to power. They regularly challenged both religious and pagan rulers, says Storky. Jesus draws on the great prophetic tradition of exposure to the truth before God, from whom nothing is hidden. Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Obadiah were some of the prophets who spoke God's awkward truth to corrupt rulers and cultures. Jesus becomes the fulfillment of the prophetic tradition, the truth that sticks in the gullet, the stone on which leaders stub their toes, the awkward one. He goes on to examine how the politics of Jesus has shaped church history. In a section on political toleration, he looks at the history of toleration. While political liberalism lays claim to tolerance today, he says this, The real tolerance debate occurs within Christianity, especially since the Reformation. Broadly speaking, there are two positions, conformist and nonconformist. The former involved alliances between mainly Catholic churches and rulers throughout Europe, alliances that established certain kinds of religious practice and control. Its conformist character can be judged by the fact that church leaders had Tyndale politically murdered for producing one of the greatest ever translations of the Bible. Luther initially, then the Anabaptists, Calvinists, Puritans, Quakers, Levelers, Mennonites, and all kinds of other groups of nonconformists broke this control. They argued that people should be free to worship God without the trammels of the state because the state has no jurisdiction over human worship and faith. 282 Englishmen were burned at the stake for this cause. Much more can be gleaned from this volume and much more can be said about such vital topics. The point is, Jesus and Christianity have always had something to say to the powers that be, including the political powers. The gospel message is certainly spiritual in one sense, but it is fully grounded in the realities of this world, including the social, political, legal, and cultural arenas. 
at a time when even Western leaders are now becoming fully drunk on power in the name of keeping us safe from a virus, these realities need to be borne in mind. And they have practical implications for how Christians today should proceed. Questions such as whether we should defy the authorities on things like church lockdowns and closures need to be seriously addressed. And the general aggrandizement of the state, along with the unstoppable move toward big brother tyranny, is also something the believer must address, think and pray about, and if need be, act against. As such, it may be time for us to reread the Gospels with a new eye to the political implications of Jesus as King. Today, we need a special kind of courage. Not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynic, so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.